Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today, we have the honor to sit down with author and education consultant, Africa Afeni Mills. Africa has been featured on podcasts, blogs, delivered keynote addresses, and facilitated sessions of conferences both virtually and across the United States. You can learn more about her at africaafanymills.com. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us. Well, welcome. This is Alan Bradford in Knoxville, Tennessee, and with me is Brenna Varner in Albany, Oregon. How you doing, Brenna? I am awake. And I need maybe one more cup of coffee. So buckle oh, up, friends. <laughs> feel free. You're allowed to have as much coffee as you want. In fact, yeah, you're, you're definitely because you said you were so excited about this recording. You got up at 430 this morning. Which My is eyes flipped open. I am so excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> flipped open. And you've had a you've had a, a, a smile on since you got on here. So that's that's beautiful. Yeah. Very beautiful. Right. <laughs> yes. Also with us is Terry in Austin, Texas. How are you doing, Terry? I'm I'm really good. I'm really tired, but I'm really good. Football season yeah. has begun in Texas, and so we had our we're filming we're recording this on a Friday morning, at least morning for for Brenna. And uh, our first game of the season, they put us on a Thursday night, and so we were we were out till about midnight last night, and I got roped into being the band fan booster president this year and so that is for an apathetic school so that means there are like very few adult volunteers and so i was literally loading box vans last night uh and unloading them till late in the evening and so i'm tired so i'm great hey one down nine to go so that's how i'm looking at it yeah if you don't know anything about yeah if you don't know anything about uh football in the south and especially in texas it is a religion yes so that was a a religious enterprise you were a part of last night so good luck yeah i hope that goes well yeah and what i didn't understand is that marching band is a institution down here i mean i don't even like last night some kid was like i played mellophone i was like bro i don't know what that means man like i don't i know what a tuba is and then i found out i don't know what a tuba is because the big thing they wear like the the elephant looking thing with the big horn that sticks up high that's not a tuba. I thought what? that was a tuba. What? It's what a sousaphone. A sousaphone? Yeah, man. I think they're making up things. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure, every, I'm sure everyone who's in band listening to this is like, what a moron. But yeah, yeah I don't know. And I, I remember probably one time, just got all that wrong too. Yeah, so. I remember one time in the uh, I was at a game and it was a it was a couple of big high schools here in Tennessee and there was all these recruiters and I sat there in the midst of all the recruiters, not knowing it. I was cheering on some students or whatever. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, these guys, recruiters is awesome. It hit about halftime and all of them went, oh, Lord, no, we're not staying for no band. <laughs> we're all like, we're out. They were done. And so I was like, yeah, that is pretty horrible. So yeah, you got to you got to you got to support the band, man. You got to support, support the, band. the band. I mean, especially because the band crushed it last night. Uh, our football team lost by 50. So they did not crush it. <laughs> <laughs> they got stomped 64 to 14. All right. And so, right. yeah, so it was OK. That's a, that's a rough one. Yeah. Education's hard. Education's hard. Ke- keeping kids motivated is hard. And that leads us to our guest today. <laughs> that, that does. That was a great setup. Look at that yes. segue. Yes. That yes. All right, I'm done, guys. Coming, that's yeah. coming from Charlotte, North Carolina, Africa, Afeni Mills. It's so good to have you. Did I say it right? Yes. Afeni, you did. Right? You did. did. Right, you man. did. Okay. I'm impressed. Good. 
<laughs> All right. So Africa, it is so good to have you with us. Uh, so Terry and I had the honor and privilege of eating with you and your family uh, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So being there, um, got to meet the family. I would love to hear about you and what's going on with you, but let's start with you. So tell yeah. us a little bit about Africa. Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking yeah. forward to this time and I'm so excited to be here also. Um, so like you said, Africa, Faney Mills, I grew up in New York City, in Brooklyn in particular. I always got to shout out Brooklyn, even though like I'll, I'll get to the part of why that's the, you know, some of that is hard for me, but start out shouting out Brooklyn, yeah. um, went to school in East Texas. So when you talked about like football and, and sport, like being a religion, I'm like, yes, I, I was introduced to that when, yeah. <laughs> when I was yeah. there. So I definitely get that. But I, uh, my husband and I, we um, raised our family in and around Boston. Um, and then just recently, so we were there for 25 years and then just recently mm. relocated to Charlotte, um, which we're really enjoying, especially the lack of snow. That's a big deal. It's a really <laughs> massive deal, especially after the winter of 2015, where like mm. it was like Snowmageddon, they were calling it, yeah. I think. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, it's great to be here. But yeah, but just as far as like the like, you know, more about me, like I'm, I'm a writer, um, just published mm -hmm. a book a couple of months ago and um, and launched into being um, an education consultant full time, um, which is really exciting <laughs> and also too very new, very new. So this is very fresh for me. Um, but yeah, and just and, and been someone like, you you know, I, I was introduced to like my own walk with God to a certain extent when I was a kid, um, but it was a very legalistic church. And so I would say that what, what's feeling exciting to me right now presently is that I'm really leaning into like a, a more intimate connection with God that feels mm. really, really refreshing and beautiful right now. So mm. that's kind of, I mean, I could go on, but those are, those are my main things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those are my main things. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is actually a whole other podcast. You and your husband's religious journey would be a whole other podcast, which yeah. was fascinating to sit down and talk to him about it. And it was great. I love yes. that. Like, that's a, yeah. that's a different that's one. That's a whole Another other time. one. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Beginning to say a whole other time. <laughs> that's great. So yeah. how long have you guys been in Charlotte? Charlotte? We've been in Charlotte just for a year. So literally, okay. not even quite a year, like just, just under a year. I remember this date because, um, and I, and like, you know, so we have two adult children or newly adult, young adult children. And so last year, here's why I remember this. August 25th, we dropped our son off at college. He was at Boston. He's at Boston College. And then we, you know, with, oh, okay, like, bye to him. And that's kind of tough. And then our daughter, Serena, we dropped her off at college on August 30th. And then we moved, started moving to Charlotte on August 31st. So every possible new thing yeah. <laughs> that I could experience, every <laughs> stressful thing almost, I did it within like yeah. a week, a week. So, yeah, yeah. We, we arrived yeah. in Charlotte September 1st of last year. So we've been here for yeah. just just about a year yeah. yeah that's awesome and my favorite my favorite was asking your kids the biggest difference between boston and charlotte and they go it's a lot slower here yes <laughs> which i'm like yes welcome to the south yeah, yes just, you don't you don't walk you just kind of meander you just kind of you know you get there when you get there type of thing which made it really interesting as far as like you know like being online in the supermarket and stuff like that just noticing just needing to you know slow down which was yeah. a little bit jarring at first especially for me being like new york <laughs> Texas, yeah, but that was a long time ago for undergrad yeah. and then being in, in Boston and then coming here. Definitely. I feel like that's true with the exception of the highways. Like, I don't think people are slow on the highways. There's a lot of fast driving going on down here yeah. that really surprised yeah. me. That's where they get we it all a out. lot of ground to cover. Yes. Yeah, so we want to get there faster. Yeah. Those lead so foot slow them down while walking. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> well, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about the work that you're kind of doing now. So tell us yeah. what's been going on with you. Yeah, so I'll connect it a little bit to like what work I just stopped doing because it was really recent. Mm-hmm. And then it really connects a lot with the work I'm doing now. So most recently, I was the diversity, equity, and inclusion director for a company called Better Lesson. So Better Lesson provides professional development for educators around the country. And that includes classroom teachers and you know instructional coaches, administrators. Um, and so I did that work. I was there for almost seven years before I left and started there as an instructional coach and then spearheaded a lot of the company's work around culturally responsive teaching and learning and um, then expanding that to diversity, equity, and inclusion and anti-racism. And so um, then began to lead that work in particular, the DEI or diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And then as I got closer to like publishing the book, I'm like, yeah, I feel like a couple of things. One, I really want to lean into this work more fully, right? And so I think that the the work that I was doing with Better Lesson, it started to, um, I wasn't having as much direct contact with educators, which is something that's really important to me. And so I was like, well, if I can, you know, like kind of get this book out there and then connect with schools and get back in touch with teachers and students, that would be like the thing that would be most satisfying professionally, that mutual relationship between like, you know, the like coaching and, and, and giving that support and, and what you also learn from teachers and students and families. Like I, that's my jam. I love that work. Yeah. And so I decided to try doing that more full time. Uh, Africa, so you know uh, my wife. Uh, we we got the book. Yeah. Uh, you were yeah. very generous in, in writing a little <laughs> note to me and Amy, and Amy picked it up and uh, she's she's making her way through it. Uh-huh. And I love the book. It's good. I've I've like flipped through it and yeah. and yeah, I think we we were even have a conversation when we were in Charlotte a couple of weeks ago about yeah. how how few African American men. Mm-hmm. are on campuses. Yes. Well, yeah. come to find out my my wife's new principal from Florida is African American. Wow. Yes. Okay. So good. so it's just kind of exciting to see kind of how uh it just it brought a lot it's like oh yeah, it made me think of that question. So yeah. um so she's been in the classroom 20 this is her 25th year okay. in education. Yeah. And so and I know you have a background in education. So tell us a little bit about like you're just starting out as a teacher and then how in the world did through your experience you're like hey this is something I need to step out of the classroom and help other educators kind of process this and really be an advocate for some of this thinking absolutely so I started out and your wife and I started teaching around the same time because I got my master's degree in 2000 and that's when I started so I I started a bit like a year before that as a like a teaching assistant Mm -hmm. and then started teaching in my own classroom like started out with fourth grade and stayed with fourth grade for a bit before transitioning to fifth grade. And um, it was an interesting journey because for me, I had part of my um, my master's program, like we talked a bit about like, you know, about diversity and equity and inclusion and, and across different identities, not only racially and culturally, but just in the different parts of our identities. But it wasn't, um, it didn't feel like it adequately prepared me <laughs> for teaching. And so when I started teaching, I had the really wrong assumption that because I grew up as a black child and black woman in New York City, I was like, oh yeah, I'm already culturally responsive just by nature yeah. of the skin that I'm in and my my melanin level is popping, right? So I'm just like, I should, <laughs> I should be all set, right? I should be all set. But then when I got into the classroom, I realized that there was a lot that I didn't know, right? Like I knew that 
But I thought it was mostly with regards to like pedagogy and instructional materials. I'm like, yeah, I got that. Like I did really well in school. I should be able to take a, take that on pretty easily. And so for me, that kind of like, I don't know how many Matrix fans we have here, but like, you know, like if you watch the Matrix, right? Like that whole thing that Morpheus was saying to Neo about like, you have like a splinter in your mind. I'm like, yes, that's what happened to me. I'm like, something's not quite right. There's some something that I'm missing as far as my own preparation as a teacher. And so I started really leaning into my own, um, my own professional learning opportunities around or development opportunities around like race and class and identity and achievement. And I was like, mind blown. So for me, I'm just like, this is all stuff that was really enlightening to me, even though I grew up in a family that really taught me quite a bit about, um, about like, you know, Black history, as, as we call it. I'm really trying to transition to saying like the part of U.S. history that we don't often talk about, right? Because it's yeah. not just it's not just Black history. But as I was being taught at that point, it was Black history. And um, I'm like, yeah, but even having parents who were self-taught and taught me a lot, there was so much else that I didn't know. And so as I started to have that, like that part of my journey, then I was invited to become a literacy coach after spending some time at a literacy institute one summer. And so that's when I started to get involved in teacher development work. And so I was like, yeah, this something is gelling for me here. It's like, if we're saying that we want certain types of classroom environments and experiences for students, then we absolutely have to invest in the teachers to make sure that there's ongoing professional development opportunities for them. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, I've been in the classroom. I know what it is that I needed and what I saw that my colleagues needed. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm all about that. So I got to be like literacy coach and ended up doing some like new teacher development work and doing some administrative work as a curriculum and instruction director. And then, so jumping ahead to when I ended up working with Better Lesson, my my connection to being in that space was become was becoming an instructional coach there. Yeah. And um, it was first. It was a hard journey because I'm like. I'm used to being an in-school coach and meeting with people face-to-face. I have no idea what virtual coaching is like. And so it ended up being really beneficial because I'm like, oh, like when I was in schools, I used to have to come to people when there was their prep period or before school or lunchtime. And I always felt bad about that. But with virtual coaching, I'm like, oh, people get to pick what they want to focus on. They get to pick when they meet with me. And so that was really good that we were able to do that, like even before the pandemic to do virtual coaching. But one of the things I noticed when I joined Better Lesson was that we had these focus areas like ELA, math, um, blended learning, because that was a focus for a better lesson from the beginning, and science. And so I was like, um, yep, this is good. <laughs> this is good. But like, if we're thinking about what actually teachers need, I'm like, we have something big missing. And the, found, the co-founders who were co-CEOs at that point were like, you're right. And you know how it is like when you raise your hand to say something is missing? It like, would you like to build that? That's and then right. I can't be like, no, because <laughs> if I just said that we need it, I can't be like, no, I'm not going to do it. I just want this. Like, you know, you usually when you bring up a challenge, you need to be prepared to be part of the solution. That's so right. I had a lot of opportunity to build our like curate resources around culturally responsive teaching and learning. And that's really where I started to dig in, dig in, cool. you know, yeah. Yeah, so so let me let me pause right here just for our listeners because some may be listening. Is like, did this? When did this become an education podcast? <laughs> so, <laughs> hang in there, guys. We're getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's there's two things that that when when I so I'm friends with Dyshawn, your yeah, husband, yeah, love yeah. Dyshawn. Yeah, uh, me too. Me too. He's pretty yeah, awesome. I bet. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, <laughs> You're, you're the gold in that relationship, but I'll just <laughs> Dyshawn doesn't listen to this, so I'm not worried about him here. But like when when we met and you began telling your story mm-hmm. and I, I I have that dual kind of connection point because I'm my as the husband of an educator. Right. My father in law was in education for 40 plus years. Wow. So, I, you know, my family were were educators, at least on my wife's side. Yeah. 
And so everything you were hitting, I was like, oh, man, that totally resonates just because I know the story. But then from like a missional pastoral church planting kind of vibe is like, man, this is like just as relevant, if not more relevant. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, just for our listeners, that the kind of two things that I, I want to point out as we finish this conversation, because I want to put it, I want really to have some intentionality in how they're thinking. One, as, as, as leaders, as missional leaders, we are, we're all educators. So everything, I mean, I think there's so much we need to understand and, and we're going to get into the book. And, and what I love about the book is just simply rethinking your posture as an educator is huge. So, so I want, I want our listeners be mindful of that. And then the second thing, and this is something that I'm just more and more convinced of is that, you know, Forge, we talk a ton about mission. We talk about, you know, what, what, what are we sent to? What are we incarnating to? And one of the things I'm, I'm convinced of is that if your mission isn't rooted in some sort of injustice, then it's not really mission. And, and, and I'll, I'll say that, you know, and I, and I want to use a very broad definition of injustice, right? Injustice could be, there is a lack of beauty in your community. That's an injustice. So your mission should be rooted in that. It could be racial, you know, inequality, inequality, inequality. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the educator, so it's I good. just make You're up good. words. Yeah. Inequality. We're good. <laughs> That's an injustice, right? So <laughs> yes. mission can be rooted in that. So we can, but at the end of the day, if we're not really thinking, is my mission rooted in, in addressing some injustice, then I'm kind of just I don't know what I'm doing because part of part of what God's ultimate plan is, is, is this idea of restoration. It is curing injustice. So I always want to encourage leaders. If you're talking about missional, how are you tying it? What are you addressing? That's unjust in your community and, and give a big, big, broad. We're not just talking about racism. We're not just talking about socioeconomic is it's very big, but it has to be rooted in addressing some sort of injustice. So with all of that, can you unpack the book and really speak to these these leaders who are thinking, okay, my mission should be rooted in injustice, but I'm also an educator. I've got to help platform and help other people see this differently. How does your book help us do that? Yeah, yeah, really great question. So for me, I think a lot about like what you just said and how like those of us who who understand, you know, like what it means to be a, a follower of the way or a follower of Jesus is that we, we're supposed to be like this aroma, right? We're supposed to be this light right. and this, right? We're supposed to be bringing jubilee, right? And in, in, right. into where we, in all the spaces that we we're in. And so as I started to do that work around culturally responsive teaching and learning, I was like, yep, this is good. This is good. We do need to do better when it comes to black and brown children and what they really, the experiences that they're having in our classrooms. And I was like, well, something's missing. <laughs> something's missing missing. And so I was like, yeah, but black and brown kids are not the only children in our classrooms. There are white identifying kids too. Yeah. So Africa, can you, can you you keep saying this culturally responsive? Yes. Right. Can you unpack that for our, for, for, for for us and for those listening? Yeah. So I'll talk a bit about, so, and I think it's, I'm glad you asked that because I think a lot of times that there, there's been a lot of pushback against like critical race theory and things like that. And I think a lot of it comes from not really understanding what it is. And so I think, so we're talking about um, culturally responsive teaching. Basically the heart of that is to take like, like in any, and I think like speaking about how we are educators in, in, in all the different spaces that we're in, 
Anytime you're really trying to engage or facilitate learning, the best way to do that is to make sure that you are capitalizing on what it is that your students already know, right? That's right. And what it is, what their experiences have taught them, what their like lived and learned experiences, perspectives, communities, all these things. It's not like, you know, when I was in school, I was taught this, like, yes, the, you know, there was this concept of tabula rasa. The children are coming to you as a blank state. It's like, no, they split blank yeah. slate, but they're not. They're, they're coming to you with things that they know and they're, you know, this brilliance that they have before they even get into the classroom. So like when I think about culturally responsive teaching, it's about like taking the backgrounds of the students who are in front of you and leveraging and connecting with what it is that they know and who they're bringing into the space to continue to add on to their learning experiences. And so that looks like a, a lot of different things. It looks like making sure that, you know, students are having the opportunity to be able to, you know, like to engage in like critical thinking and, mil- and, and meaning making. A lot of times like when you look at some of the things that happen in spaces where there are mostly black and brown kids, the level of rigor is very low, right? And so culturally responsive teaching looks more like, no, don't just give kids like, put these words in alphabetical order and add these numbers. It's more so about like making sure that every child is in front of you, who is in front of you, is having the opportunity to engage in deep learning, right? So that's what comes to mind for me. And you're doing that and honoring who they are as people. And you're curious, you're curious about your students, right? There's that, that part is what it means for me. Yeah. yeah, so it, it, it's funny because it, it makes me think of two things. One, and I always go to movies, so yeah. I can't help it. But one of my one of my Love favorite it. movies is Blue Chips. Do you guys okay. remember that movie? I haven't seen Blue Chips though. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. It's okay. So Nick Nolte plays like this Bobby Knight college basketball coach, and <laughs> they basically recruit Shaquille O'Neal, okay. uh, Anthony Hart, uh, Anthony Hardaway, mm-hmm. and some kid, some white boy from Indiana, and yeah. and they're yeah. like this this. And they're talking to Shaq and, yeah. and Shaq's playing this kid uh, right out of high school who's everyone's like, he's dumb. He's dumb as bricks. He's he's not intelligent. But boy, can he dunk a basketball. Mm-hmm. And so they're talking to him about his SAT scores right. and how low he scored. Mm. And he goes, oh, I didn't I didn't I, I, I didn't even take that test. It's like, what do you mean? You got like a you got like a 400, you know, it's like, what do you? And he goes, oh, it's it's culturally biased. And he goes, well, what do you mean? And he goes on and gives this example of how he, one of the word problems in, in the test was uh, they used the example of someone's on their yacht for so-and-so time. And he was like, you know, I'm from the hood. We don't even, I don't even know how to spell yacht. Like Y-A-C-H-T. Like what right? does it, what is not a even yacht? Fun, doesn't even make sense phonetically. Yes. Right? And they're like, how do, how do we, we don't even know the terms of the words they're using. Right. Because culturally it's like no one in the hood talks about my yacht. No. And so it's things like that. And then, and then even like, I just, now I just want to brag on my wife. Yeah. Oh, she's please. amazing. Absolutely. She, you should. You should. she, uh, this, so we're one, we're a week and a half into the school year. Yeah. And uh, she has um, she in her first day of school, she she got a, a Ukrainian refugee. Oh, student. wow. 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 OK. Speaks very little English. Yep. Speaks Russian. Yep. And so my wife just instantly felt this like heartbeat to care for this, this, yeah. this, this, this young girl. She's a seventh grader. Oh, and ooh, so my wife's like, how do I how can I like make a connection and do that? Yeah. And then about three days later, she finds out that there's an eighth grader. Mm-hmm. on campus mm-hmm. who's also from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And so my wife goes to the she goes to the administration mm-hmm. and says, "Hey, put this 8th grader in my my uh graphic design class. I I I want this person." And so then the day she tells the story and she was even tearing up as she was telling me like this 8th mm-hmm. grader walks in and says, "I got a schedule change. Why am I here?" And it was like, "Oh, here's why." And like they introduced the two kids and they're like, uh, I don't know. And then they both start 
speaking Russian. And so it's like, and then my wife just, she tells the story. It's like how their eyes just like, they came alive. Like my wife have seen them for the first time in a week and a half. They're now alive. They're like, there's someone here. And then one's eighth grade, one's seventh grade. And like, um, they do this thing when you come on campus, like you have sixth graders sit here, seventh graders sit here and eighth graders sit here. And my wife saw them come in and they were chatting, chatting. And then they had to divide. And my wife just was like, no, this is not going to work. So she went and grabbed the seventh grader and went and grabbed the eighth graders. And they put them right next to each other because the seventh graders sit on one side and the eighth graders. It's like, you guys are just right here. At the intersection. Yes. Yes. And they were like, we can do this. And so, but it's again, it's coming to the, it's coming as an educator. It's coming as a disciple maker. If you're, you're mentoring and pouring into someone, it's like setting them up for success. It's being able to say, hey, we understand where you're coming from. And here's your best foot forward. And, and, and so often we see is this idea, and maybe you can speak to this. It's just one of those things like, well, what can we do? Right. We can't change anything. <laughs> so we'll just do the best we can. Yeah. And, and I know yeah. that is a, probably a statement of a lot of the best intentions. Yeah. But man, it's just not, it's not acceptable anymore. No. It's just not acceptable. And I think, honestly, like, you know, even speaking to that, like, some of the the best examples that I've seen, because some people perceive, not the people who are just, like, trying to fight against something that they don't understand, but other folks who are just, like, maybe at the more beginning of their journey are just like, yeah, I'm about to put, like, make sure Martin Luther King, his picture's up. If I'm feeling edgy, I might throw a little Malcolm X up in there, right? Like, you know, it's like, I mean, you can... Put the 8x10 up. That's going to change it. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, I guess that's... I mean, people go through whatever their journey is. If that's your intro, do what you got to do, right? But I think it's more more like what you were talking about. Like, the people, there's this woman who comes to mind when you speak is um there's a woman her name is miss tolliver and there's these old videos of her as a math teacher black woman teaching in the city and all she really did was she took the math concepts even like folks are just like oh i teach math what does this mean for me as being culturally responsive she was just like we're going to go look at angles in the community we're going to be doing measurements in the community right so it's just like that it's a mindset shift it's not even so much like i gotta put up these pictures of these brown people or mm-hmm. like on, in February, we're going to make sure we do it up. Right. Like it's yeah, not, it's right. not that it's, it's all the time. It's the, it's not the, it's not a thing you do, but it's the lens that you bring to everything mm-hmm. that you do. Right. Yeah. And like trying to connect with your students as a whole person. And how do I bring their whole self into the classroom so that they are best able to learn? Cause that's what brain science tells us, right? Like that, yeah. that learning happens when you feel that safety and that connection and that belonging, there's so much possible. Yeah. Well, I feel like we're nibbling on the edges of the heart of your book. So you had kind of yeah, just yeah. start explain it and kind of get into it. So, so, so give us like, where did this come from? Yeah. Give us the idea behind it. Okay. So then, okay. So like I said, I was you know, really focused on culturally responsive teaching and learning and thinking about, okay, but what about the white babies? Like we need, we need to make sure that all students are getting what they need. I'm like, so what is missing? And so I'm like, okay, so that's when I, around that time I started to be introduced to the concept of windows and mirrors that was first um, put out there by Emily Stiles of the National Seed Project. And then also expanded on by um, Rudine Sims Bishop a bit later on. Um, I think like maybe like a year later, she expanded on that concept a bit more too. And the concept is really at its, like when you boil it down, it's just, okay, when you when you have any group of people, so whether it's your, your congregation, your classroom, anyone who you might be mentoring or working with who is a learner, right? Or who you're facilitating learning with, they need to be able to see themselves reflected back, which that's that piece around culturally responsive, right? So it's like, yeah, so I need to be able to see mirrors of myself. And when I go into the classroom, I 
want to be able to recognize something like you talk about with the students who are from the Ukraine. Right. I recognize that person. Now I feel a certain level of safety and familiarity. And now I feel like I can venture out and take risks and learning and things like that because I'm more, I feel that, that sense of belonging, right? And so you need to have that for all students. And students also need windows where you're looking beyond your the salient parts of your identity to be able to discover about other people. And when I say other people, like it's so hard for me to even use the word other now because I'm like, I don't mean in othering people because that's something different, but I mean people who are different from yourself to be able to have that learning experience. And so I'm like, all right, so when I think about culturally responsive teaching and learning, the problem there is that black and brown children are largely not seeing anywhere near enough mirrors and far too many windows and in a lot of ways distorted windows, right? But I was like, so what's happening with white kids? I'm like, oh, it's flipped, right? It's, they're seeing way too many mirrors and not nearly enough windows. And even like the same thing too, even the, the mirrors that they're seeing are a bit distorted, right? Um, but in, because it's like, they're, like the people who are so like, you know, this fear-based resistance is happening around the bannings and things like that. It's like, yeah, I don't want, you know, white kids shouldn't be made to feel like, you know, ashamed of who they are. I'm just like, yeah, so then don't have your kid affiliate with the like oppression, right? Like there's a whole yeah. bunch of white folks who are doing anti-racist work and abolitionist work. So like you, there are other examples of white folks who yeah. did other things, lots that they they could learn about in this process too. So that's why I was like, okay, so that's the piece. It's like, how do we make sure that white students have more windows where they're learning about other perspectives, other experiences, right? And so that they can have a more expanded worldview and a more connection. And that's where that pro-human part of the title for my book comes from. Because it's like, yeah, we're not only trying to resist racism, but we're trying to get students to really see, be connected in our our shared yeah. humanity, right? And that, to me, like, as far as, like, how my, my spiritual beliefs was like, that's the Imago Dei, right? That's the Imago yeah. Dei there. Yeah. yeah. I had someone in my life really challenge me um, and... And I didn't realize that this was there as a um, a white woman that has grown up in a predominantly white spaces. Um, she said, you know, one of the keys actually for you to help understand other people's culture is to understand your own culture better. She's like, so tell me about your people. And I was like, what? I'm white. I'm vanilla. <laughs> You know, I'm nothing. But and I and, and so I was pu- uh, putting that as nothing. And she said, "Here's the thing, though, is unconsciously that's the standard, and then everyone else has culture on top of that." Mm-hmm. And so she really challenged me to be like, "No, dig into it. Where are your people from? Where where are your stories?" And and that that mirror of not seeing it just as vanilla and bland, but you know, I am very Norwegian, and you know, and and in talking about that then puts me on a level playing field as far as I also have culture and I can recognize that in other people. So that was missing in my mirror. Oh, totally. Um, Yeah, it was, it was, when she first asked me, I was like, why are you asking me about my culture? Like I don't have one, right? It's like, no, you do. I'm toast. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it's so true. And that's part of like, part of the reason why I structured the book the way it, it, Mm. it is. So the first part of the book really is about an exploration of like, racial healing and and going through like racial consciousness and identity development and things like that. And even though like, like I struggle so much with language too, cause I'm like, race is a social construct. I know mm-hmm. that. And at the same time, we've given it so much power. And so these are the things that we need to do to go through some healing, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but that piece too, it's like, okay, so for the readers, it's important to me that folks have the opportunity to go and do that self-work because we didn't really have the opportunity unless we had some type of very unique 
childhood experience or schooling experience, most like you was talking about your experience, like you didn't get a chance to like really think about like, okay, well, my ancestors and where were they from and what were our traditions and right? Because so much of coming and being, becoming part of the United States for white folks was a separation from yeah. your cultural heritage. It's like, no, you you're abandon, You have to abandon that to join whiteness. And all mm-hmm. that, your people, you know, all of that connection, like, you need to give that up, right? That happened with so many so many people who identify as white, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, I think that even an implication for the church is, you know, we're, you know, Forge exists because we're trying to, um, uh, how do I want to say this in a, in a good way? We're, tr- <laughs> we're, we're, there's a prevailing model of church that's very homogeneous. And I don't necessarily think Forge was created to address the homogeneous problem. I think that's something that came later as part of like, whoa, there's all these churches. They like to clunk together and look the same. Um, but this idea of, of being missional, you know, one of the one of my new favorite word images when I think of the word missional is this idea of being propelled, that being missional is to be propelled out, sometimes even maybe against your will. Right. Just as the father has sent me, I now send you whether you want to be sent or not. I'm propelling you out in this world. You know, um, I dropped a Super Dave Osborne uh, reference and like everyone under 40 years old just looked, was like, I don't know who that is. Right. And so Google it if you don't know who that is. But this idea of being propelled out against a, like, even sometimes you just hit a brick wall and clump to the bottom. And, you know, but this idea that we, we are sent out and in our sentness, we we should be sent to non homogeneous environments, right? So there is potential that as we go into our neighborhoods or we go to address whatever injustice we see, lack of community, a lack of of of, of diversity, whatever, as we address these things, it's it's going to I love that mirrors and windows idea because it's going to actually give us some sort of guardrails to how we engage. And you know, and I would encourage, you know, one of the things I'm one of my biggest blessings is how I grew up. I grew up in in Fifth Ward and Third Ward Houston, predominantly black neighborhoods. Uh now I hear that they're being gentrified and there's like white 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 women are jogging and so it's a whole different neighborhood. Um but um it was still it was it was home and um like coming out of that and then I got sent to a boys home uh, out in the country, like out, like in, in the woods. And I was like, I remember just thinking, it's like, this is going to be a bad situation. But luckily my high school was next to Prairie View A&M university. It's a historical black college. So like my high school environment, I mean, talk about that. I mean, just, I love the image of windows and mirrors because it gave it, it for me, when I looked in the mirror, you know, I, I, all I could see was black like that because that was a culture that that whole culture of growing up in the 90s. And that's how I was. But then being in that environment, it was like, oh, OK, there are people that are more my skin tone here that act completely different than I, I do. I don't even know what these people are doing. But then it was great because then there was also like for them a window into the African-American culture. And one of the things I loved about our school is we had this really beautiful kind of connection and so I love the concept of windows and mirrors. One of the, and so I'd love for you to speak a little bit about the window work because let's just be honest. There's the people who listen to this podcast are stale, male, and pale. Right? <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're dudes. They're white, and they're probably like over forty. Uh, love you all. Thank you for listening. Like and share. Um, but it's reality. And so I think it's important that when we when we think about windows, that we think about maybe appropriate windows to look through. Because I, because sometimes I hear people, 
because I talk a certain way and they're like, well, you don't talk like a white kid. And it's like, that's okay. You know, I, I can code switch. I don't know. I can speak how you need me to speak. But um, <laughs> Bradford always makes fun of me when I do that. I love yeah, it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I'll hear people say, oh, I saw Black Panther. Like as if Black Panther's the window that I live through, right? Wakanda forever. Um, and and it's like, okay, you know, and I was like, well, that's good. But have you seen Do the Right Thing? Right. right. You know, right. it's like, well, right. that's probably like I, I'm I'm Bozeman. I'm all about it. Love yeah, them. Totally, I'm all totally. about the MCU. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. we need different windows. And then like, yeah, Do the Right Thing is phenomenal. Like even Black, Black Klansman. That was great. But then it's like, well, maybe instead of those aren't windows, those are movies. Right. <laughs> those are screens. Right. Like, what does it look like to actually engage? And even like I've I've had friends that have like picked up some books, How to Be Anti-Racist, Tisby's book, and like all these different things. It was like, it's great to pick the book up, but are you actually engaging someone? That's, that's exactly different? right. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, how do we how do we like almost look through the window, but like how do we crawl through the dadgum yes, window right. and connect with some people? Because I yeah. think that's really what these missional leaders, these pastors, like if we're, if the church is the hope of the world, right? If we're going to be the one that's going to do this, like, I think we got to crawl through some windows and really get to know some people. So like, what are your thoughts on that? Like maybe some like best practices on how to get started around some of that. Yeah. I think uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is like, is you don't force somebody's window open, right? Like that's like that's the other piece too. Like when you think yeah. about the 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 issues that can come up up around like cultural appropriation or yeah. or like thinking you can determine what is what is a window, right? And that's a yeah. mistake. Like for me, I feel like anytime we come from a place of learning and trying to be like what we esteem to be like a good person, we're like, oh, I realize I've been lacking this thing. Let me go ahead and do it. So my first inclination when I started hearing about windows and mirrors, I was like, oh, so I'm going to put, I'm going to make this whole, like I was doing some professional development and I was like, yeah, I'm going to put in all these things that are like windows and mirrors for me. And then I could start to create that. I was like, wait, nope. I can't create somebody else's windows because I don't know what I don't right. know what they are. And yes. the same thing too. Right. It's like I can't create mirrors. Definitely not mirrors. Even more so with that. Like I can't if I have a classroom full of students, I can't look at my students and be like, "Here's what your here's what your mirrors are." And I think that happens a lot. Where I think you know, like you hear it on different like comedies and stuff. Like whether it be like I used to watch like Everybody Hates Chris and all oh, this yeah, stuff. People be like, "Oh, I think I know what you need. Like you need to read Native Son or you need to read right." It's just like. I don't even like that book. Like, you could ask me and I'll tell you. So yeah. I think the biggest thing for me is to really like, be able to like play share and live life on life with people. It's hard because a lot of our communities are so hyper segregated. And so there's a temptation to be like, oh, I'm just going to read this book and then I'll be all set. But it's yeah. like really thinking about like, how can you be more in, in community with folks? So that might mean that you might have to be intentional around, you know, around really getting to connect with other folks. That might mean that you're coming outside of your neighborhood. You might need to shop someplace else. You yeah. might need to enroll your kid, not in private school, but in the local school Amen. where you, where you write. So there's a lot of things that we can do that bring us into community with one another. Um, but I think those those are those are things that require folks to be willing to kind of put your money where your mouth is, not just what you're learning, but how are you applying what yeah. you're learning, right? I don't remember, I can't remember who said this to me, but one yeah. of the most insightful things I remember about, about this conversation was, it was at some conference or somewhere and somebody asked this incredibly eloquent question. I think it was a white guy asking an African-American presenter yeah. about how, racial reconciliation, blah, blah, blah. How do yeah. we do all this stuff, you know, yeah. and, and trying to really kind of get at the heart of it, right? right. Well-intentioned question. And I remember the presenter or the, the gentleman up there said, well, pull out your phone. Mm-hmm. And he goes, okay, look at the last 10 calls and texts that you've had. Is there anybody of color in there? That no? part. Well, then once you have that, yeah. 
then yes. we can have the conversation. Yes. And it was like, oh, it was a yeah. drop moment. I just, and it was, and it was like, I, I will carry that with me. Like, right. I'm young. I'm to look at my phone and I'll say, what, what, who, what's going on here? Who's like, in what's my it's huge. Yes. It's absolutely staggering because people, like you even mentioned culture appropriation. Yeah. Like I see it in yeah. the church. Like yeah. one of the, I mean, hip hop culture has been appropriated by the church to the point where it's really frustrating. Like, yes, yes. Like if I see another dude wearing like J's on a, on a platform, it's like, <laughs> to stop, like, to stop. like where I grew up, like if you, everyone you knew at least one or two people who got jacked for J's and is like, you can't just go buy your $200 shoes, walk onto a platform and, and never be threatened. Like if you've never been asked the question, yo, what size shoe you wear? Like right. if, that, if, if you've never had that, don't put the J on. Like don't just do don't. It. But again, do wear it. what you want to wear. But like I think sometimes we get into that thing where it's like, oh, if I can, I can give nod to the culture. Like I can, I can, I can rep the culture. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, this is good. This is cool. This is great. And I'll put on, I'll I'll adopt hip hop culture or something. But like if you don't know anyone if you're not engaging anyone like i love that test like if you go back and look the last 10 texts and you have no one of color in your in your phone you that is that's probably a good definition of appropriations like you're taking on something from a culture that has been created and if you aren't engaging anyone in that culture, like, what's the why? It's taking, right? You're, You're just, just taking, taking right? Yeah. And yeah. I think about that sometimes, too, and I'm like, it's, it's, I'm in a position to be able to notice things a bit more. But that happens to me a lot of times, like, when I have, like, white friends and I'm looking at their feeds and I'm like, oh, they're like, yeah, I went to a wedding. I'm just like, dang. You know, nobody, you don't know nobody in color who's <laughs> been yeah. invited to your wedding or stuff like that. So it's yeah. like, yeah, thinking about like who's in your circle, like who is influencing you, what decisions are you making, how are you making those decisions, right? And just being able to be aware that like, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy to be like, okay, I live in this community, I have this house, I've built up equity in this sure. house, I'm just going to move. So I'm not saying that because that's, that's a lot. Some people may choose to do that, right? But I think it's more so about like, even unpacking, like, you know, that 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 work where you can do, it's like, ask yourself the five whys to get to the bottom. That's right. Right? So think about that. It's like, okay, if I tell somebody about, oh, do you like Zumba classes? Like, yeah, I like Zumba. I'm like, okay, don't go in your community. <laughs> go to another community where there are people with a more diverse community. That's right. And try taking Zumba there. And then, like, what is your feeling? Yeah. Are, you, are you feeling stressed? It's like, okay, so let's unpack that. What are you feeling? Is Are you assuming that that, that neighborhood is unsafe? Right. Like, are you assuming what makes you think that? Right. Like, where did that narrative come from? So just being able to unpack some of those things. Why did you choose to put your kid in private school? Right. Yeah. Like, what is that about? What, what is the narrative in your mind about, like, why that the school in your community is not a good school? Right. So just really being able to ask yourself yeah. some questions and put yourself intentionally in spaces, not as a not as That's a consumer. Key. That's right. But as as a like a somebody who's connecting with folks. A participant. Right? A yeah, participant. Just, Absolutely. Yeah, just join in. Yes. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like I've heard I've heard people say is like, well, there's just not a lot of black people in my city. And I was like, okay. okay. Like Austin is a very white city. Yeah. Yeah. But and, and people may look and say, wow, it is a white city. But you know what? Austin's a very brown city. Yes. And so yes. And, and that's the other thing. It's like, okay, there I mean I, I, th- I read something like by 20, 2035 or something, like like Very 10 close. years from now, there will be more brown individuals in Texas than yes. white. Yes. And yep. not just the cities, but like in the country. So if you're listening, you're like, oh, we're rural. Yeah. We, I mean, there's white to the least and white to the West. And 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 that's fine. But like, I love that. How, how can we intentionally like I always tell guys here locally is like, don't shop at Whole Foods 
shop at Poco Loco. Like one, it's cheaper and and the the protein is like 10 times better. Like just go, you know, go meet the meat market guy, you know, get some, you know, meet, meet different people, put yourself in those environments. But it's like actively participating in environments like if, if you're gonna eat mexican food go to a mexican restaurant don't go to taco bell like, don't please don't go to taco bell don't please, taco for bell so many reasons gonna have like a, a 16 year old little white girl behind the counter she right. doesn't even know yeah she doesn't know what chilaquiles means so right. like just go and find find a good mexican restaurant meet a family connect. yes yeah. right or go like just spend some time like i think i actually have this um there's a class that i took it's called ideas so it's like in um it's initiative developing equity and achievement for students. That's what the acronym stands for. And in that introductory class, part, that's part of the work you have to do. It's like, you need to find a community that is not your typical community and you need to go spend time there yeah. and you need to go talk about like, what was that like for you? Right. And so I think it's really, really powerful. Like not, you're not going to take anything. You're just going to be there. And I know like just, I mean, I think it's important to name things that are real. Right. So I'm like, I do have some white friends. It's just like, yeah, but if I start showing up in the hood, then it's going to start getting gentrified. Cause I'm like, Ooh, there's some white people here. This might be an area that we can come into. It's like, no, you're not gentrified. Like, that's not what you're doing it for. Yeah. You can't, like, you can't take that whole onus on yourself if that's not your intention, right? Yeah. But it's like, but that's like, how do you, how can you, how can you, like, you know, put your kid in a dance class or a sports team that yes. might be in a different community and stuff like that? There are things that you can do. Don't stop it, like, how can I? It's like, no, really ask the question and really yeah. want the answer and right. do those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Unless you're a real estate, a commercial real estate investor, you're not going to, one white person going into the black neighborhood is <laughs> not going to gentrify the neighborhood. No. <laughs> you're safe. You can go. Yeah. You'll yeah. be okay. You will be That's okay. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I had a, just a light bulb go off here and uh, as we're talking. So a little background, you know, we're very um, white community and, um, you know, we want diversity and, you know, we, we want to get after it. And we had a black family join, um, some of our faith gatherings and we were, you know, so excited. And then, um, the, you know, yay, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're got some diversity, (laughs) but eventually what happened was we weren't ready Nope. <laughs> we we weren't ready and um and I'm going to be real honest, we caused harm. Mm. And we really did and I learned a whole lot through that process, but because we weren't ready, we caused a lot of harm to that family. And and there was some repentance, but um yeah. we yeah. And so uh, coming into today, I was like, oh, I'm so ready to ask this question of what do we need to do to be ready? And what I realized as you were talking is I still had a come to me posture in that question. It wasn't a sent question because I'm still saying, okay, we've got our little huddle of white people and we're, we want the uh, other people to come to us. So how do we, how are we prepared? Which isn't a bad question. That's a good, no, it's a good, it is work. A good question. It's, it's part a of good it. work, it's part of it. but yeah. still at the core is a, um, yes, an attractional, um, but everything that you're saying is no, you go and you make connection as the mode. And so that that was like, oh man, I've been viewing the way that I get after diversity, equity, and inclusion in an attractional way as a missional person. That's right. Dang it. It's the default. That's true. Yeah. I and mean, I think that that's it's 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 natural though. Like that's part of the journey. It's just like, oh wait, I've been starting this, but then you realize something else, right? So then you're able to expand. Your journey. And I think, I mean, I think it's really important to note that. And the other thing I will say 
because I've had this happen within, well, not happen to me, but like happen in conversations I have with folks who are just like, well, like I've tried that. Like I tried going up to some brown folks and trying to be friends and they weren't really feeling it. I'm just like, understand that there has been, there's a history that we have that you're going to come up against, right? Like there are some things that there are people who have legit reason to feel a little bit unsafe or a little cautious, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, it's not going to be like, you know, as soon as you show yourself friendly, people just gonna be like, yay, I've been waiting for you to come here and hang out with me, right? Like it's not necessarily going to happen that way. It may, right? And it may happen where you encounter folks who are just like, yep, who are feeling like ready to make that connection. But I think I would say be going, going, feeling like, okay, like there is, there, there's some work that needs to be done and I got to be willing to persist through that because their people may be guarded and for good reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not, that's not a reason to like retreat and give up. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we got to be okay. There was one, <laughs> who was it? You're going to know who said it and I'm just forgetting. Um, you know, in this process, um, you know, when, when everything went down, it was like, oh, I'm doing it wrong. You know, like you wanted to do it right. So like I wanted to, to be faithful in this and this, the mind shift of I don't need to be right. I need to get it right. And I need to be curious and I need to be a learner. And so recognizing there is a gap and it's going to be messy and be okay with that and say thank you when somebody points something out. Like the posture doesn't need to be I need to like nail this. <laughs> The posture is I'm going to get in this and I'm going to, I'm going to learn and I'm going to say thank you and I'm going to be curious and that's just really beautiful. So if you're listening and you're like, yeah, I want to get after it, read some books, <laughs> sit under some teaching of people of color, but man, that posture, that curiosity that you were talking about, how do we, how do we get after that? Does your, does your book help us with Yes. Kind of creating some of that curiosity. Tell <laughs> yeah. us tell us about that. What does that yeah. look like to be curious and to have a curious. curious posture? Yeah, I think I'll talk a little bit about how, you know, like the 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 posture for me that's been really helpful is thinking about okay, like when I'm doing anything new, it's going to be messy, right? Mm-hmm. And to your point, right? Like say if I'm like, I mean, riding a bike as an adult, I think that's <laughs> we're we're not as ready to fall as, <laughs> as kids are, so that might be a little harder. <laughs> but like say anything we're learning a new language, to play a sport rock climbing, whatever, right? Whatever we're learning, it's going to be hard in the beginning because we don't know what we're doing, right? But if we're doing something new and somebody came along, let's say we're learning a new language and they're like, actually the pronunciation, this is how you pronounce that word. We wouldn't be like, see, I'm a failure. I'm never going to be able to learn this language and just stop. It's like, well, no, like you said, you say, thank you. Now I know I'm going to practice. I'm going to get better at that, right? So I think there's that, that piece of it too, where it's just like recognizing the main thing, like that we've all been racialized, right? All of this, this has happened to all of us. It manifests differently depending on how we identify, but it's all something wrong that was done, right? So just recognizing in order to reverse something, to interrupt, right? Or to resist something from continuing, that we have to be able to ask questions and to lean into that curiosity to be like, okay, well... You know, like, I mean, this is something that came top of mind was like a couple of years ago when there was a lot of like when um, Ahmaud Arbery was murdered and Breonna Taylor was murdered and George Floyd was murdered. And and people just like, oh, these riots is terrible. Like, people are tearing down their own communities. It's like, let me pause. <laughs> if somebody tears up their own community, there must be some 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 ups- upset feelings or some hurt feelings or some yeah. hard feelings going into that. Why might that be true? Right. Mm-hmm. It's just really being able to think about the, the narratives that we have in our mind. We got to be aware of those first. So that's where that healing work comes in. And to be like, here's what I've been taught about people who are different racially or ethnically or culturally from me. I'm going to question everything now. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to question everything. Like I was taught that 
because the prison industrial complex is full of black men, that black men are to be feared, right? Like they're, mm. they're, they're naturally more criminal. But that doesn't actually make sense, right? It doesn't make sense that that's true. So if that's not true, then what is true, right? Because I think that that's, for me, the thing I appreciate when I'm making friends across racial difference is when someone has done their work, who's leaned into, like, whether it be listening to podcasts, watching documentaries, reading books, being in, you know, in, in racial conversations and groups with people and classes and things like that, when someone's just like, yeah, tell me your story, Tell me about your experience, right? So just really making sure that we're checking ourselves when we think we already know somebody's story and asking more questions about that from a place of genuine curiosity. Now, that's going to be a little bit like, because I've had this happen with white friends too, who'll be like, Africa, I wanted to ask you a question, but I've been told that I need to do my own work. So I'm not going to ask you. I'm just like, well, I, you do need to, you need to take ownership of your yeah. learning, mm-hmm. but I really don't want you set free on Google because you're going to get some stuff <laughs> Yeah. That I would rather you not believe or, you know, I don't want you learning that stuff. So I, I would rather you ask me. I'll tell you if I'm ready to answer that day or maybe the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think some and there's going to be sometimes when you ask a question, somebody might not be ready, but that's a human thing. Right. Like yeah. if I have something hard that happened in my history, if I'm someone who's been divorced and someone just comes over to me in Africa, tell me about your divorce. I might not be ready. I mean, I'm not divorced, but I'm like if that was my story, yeah. there might be some time where I'm ready to talk about that. Sometimes where I'm not like with the passage of time, I might be more comfortable. So I think that piece too is like, understand that sometimes you may ask the question and someone may not, res- may not be ready to engage with you, but that's not a reason to not be curious anymore. It might be, okay, I need to engage. You need to have a wide array of people, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Who you're yeah. connecting with. Yeah. 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 All right, Africa. Thank you so much. I mean, this, this conversation has been like, out of this world. Um, I mean, just one, it's been good for my soul. I mean, I, I absolutely love this. While we still have you and, and and it's kind of we're wrapping up the conversation, I'd love I'd just love for you to share some thoughts or some just encouragement on, you know, f- for us that are having the conversation, but also those listening, like, how do we how, how do how do we move forward? Because it, it's it's hard. It's not easy. It's totally right? hard. It, it's, it, this is a hard thing to kind of process. And and, and, you know, for some of us, it's, it's kind of a new thing, you know, and, and, and I don't, I don't say that from a shame on you. Why is it new just now? Like this conversation, it's been going on forever. It's like, no, I mean, when you come to it, you come to it. The, 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 the thing is, will you take the step? And so how do, how can you encourage us to take that step? Like, you know, this idea of new things, hard things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what comes to mind for me is that, to first of all acknowledge, right, that it is yeah. hard, right? It's not like it's it's especially in the the polarized climate that we're in right now. It is really difficult. It feels really scary. It was already feeling scary before things got really how they are now. Um, it feels even scarier now. I would say that um, re- being able to recognize first of all to admit to ourselves, it's not so much that we don't necessarily want this learning. It's that we don't know. Like we're feeling a little bit like you know, anxious about it or fearful about it. It is something that's new. I think especially it's, it's really important for us to think about the fact that we do have the capacity to do it though, right? Yes. It's like, so once Huge. we admit that something is hard, once we admit that something is scary, it's like, okay, well, we're not going to stop there. And an example I've been using a lot lately is I am someone who is very acrophobic, like terrified of heights, right? But there was a time where I wanted to zip line, right? So I'm like, I was faced with a choice. All right, so it's just like, yeah, I'm scared of heights, 
but I'm not going to be able to zip line unless I climb up to that platform, right? And so I need to go ahead and do that work to be able to see from a different perspective, so to speak, right? And so was I scared doing it? Totally. So I would definitely say don't don't wait until you're not scared. I would say just go ahead and lean into mm-hmm. it. Definitely don't try to do this work alone. I think you know it's really helpful to be able to do it in community. Like when I zip lined, I had my belayer, the person who had me strapped in, and the people who were supporting me as I went. So don't do it alone. But just really, I think it's really important to really believe that the work that you want to do is possible to know that it is it is is something that is a bit nerve-wracking but it's not something that's going to really do you in it's actually when you push yourself beyond that that barrier of fear you'll be able to really experience something so beautiful and so rich and it'll be something that you didn't even know that you were missing right and so i definitely want to encourage folks that yes the work is hard but it's good it's good and it's worthwhile and it just really a lot of times when we think about like oh i want the world to be a better place i'm like this is something concrete that we can do to really contribute to that right and so i think that's the thing i would just really encourage folks to be like yes recognize the fear name it and keep going right because it's it's very possible get your get your crew around you right you don't need to do it by yourself but just really do keep going because it's 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 really it's essential it's essential that we do it that's beautiful yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's so good yeah Uh, thank you africa yeah thank you um yeah, this is this has been a gift to our tribe, you know, Forge America. This is something that we are we're truly trying to lean into this conversation and and make it a more of a priority. And and again, we don't we don't want to just look through the window. We want to climb through it yes. you know, and, and have those and have those. And because there's nothing more beautiful than when when you have a kingdom commonness and you all look different. Yeah, we all we all have different perspectives and, and different worldviews and things like that. But when we can all come together now, there's that's a beautiful thing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if people want or like I want to, you know, get Africa into my life and learn and all of those things, what's the best way for them to kind of connect you? Yeah, so I have a website. It is africafanymills.com, all one word. And from there, you'd be able to see like the connection to my social feed. So I have, I'm have i on Twitter as a Fanny Mills. Um, I'm on all the, well, I shouldn't say all. I'm not really on TikTok and, and not really into Snapchat. But oh, you yeah. can find me like on like, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're, we're, not, we're not 12 years old. No, yeah. no. So I'm like, so now we, we're, I'm, on, I'm, on the, I'm on the grown folks platform. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so you'll be able to connect with me there. And, I'm, and cool. I legitimately, do enjoy connecting with folks so I do mean that sincerely that definitely please you know connect with me I'm happy to you know to vibe with folks who have more questions yeah. or have things that they want to kind of think about together I'm, I'm happy to do that yeah yeah and if you're listening I I, I totally encourage you to take uh, Africa up on her word I mean that I, I, she's she's amazing uh, so bring her in it'd be you'd be blessed by it and pray everyone pray because Africa just signed up for South by Southwest EDU. Yes, we'll and so, see how it goes. So, so she gets accepted. <laughs> I selfishly, she gets to come to Austin, so she'll get to come hang out. And so, that would be yes, so but fun. it would be amazing if you were able to get in one of those workshops. I would so, love that. That would be so yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah, very cool. All right, thank you, Africa. Thank uh, you. Yeah, you're a blessing. Appreciate thank you. you. So are you. So you appreciate you. you as well. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America cultivates practitioners who join in the mission of God. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.